Thank the Lord Jesus. Well, aren't we glad we've been found by the grace of God? Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord? My goodness, it sounds like y'all are ready to have church. Amen. I love it when folks go to church to have church. It makes no sense to me to go to church and shop at Walmart while they're in church. Amen. Fix your tractor, hoe out your garden. Does it? Does it? You're in church? Let's have church. When you're at Walmart, do what you do at Walmart. When we're in church, let's worship. Let's sing. Let's pray. Let's praise. Let's have church. <clears throat> Amen. Heard, heard John some wonderful services this past weekend. But Matt. Amen. He's a fine brother, isn't he? Such a gifted brother. So appreciate God's gifts in, in the body. Amen. Well, I'm nowhere near the preacher that young fella is, so y'all just have to put up with this old guy tonight. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Second Corinthians six fifteen. So appreciate the goodness of the Lord. Amen. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Let's look at this word separate again, if you don't mind. Divide, sever, to mark off from others by boundaries. To limit, to separate, to exclude as disreputable. To a point set apart for some purpose. And after you're separated, set apart... Then verse 18, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, not only the flesh, but spirit. It's not enough to be, well, I quit drinking, I quit smoking, I got rid of my britches, if you're a woman. <laughs> I got rid of my britches and I throwed all my country music away. You still got all them things in your spirit? You still ain't sanctified. Yeah. Having therefore these promises, dirty beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I mean, I'd like to be remembered tonight before the Lord. Let's just pray together. Father, what a great honor it is. Lord Jesus, how I thank you for the privilege to be able to step out of that office into an atmosphere that is so charged with your presence and also the expectation of the people. We know that church is a mix. It is a mix of your divine presence, angelic beings, and the faith and the expectation of the people of God. The prophet said that if the pastor walks out of the office and the people are resentful 
the Holy Spirit won't reveal anything. So it shows us, even though you desire for us to have church, unless we're in harmony with your desire, you can't even move among us. So I thank you, Lord, that there are people still left in this day who hunger and thirst after you, Lord God. Speak to us tonight your precious word. Would you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You realize how blessed you are tonight to have a desire to come to the house of God? Brother Lewis sent me a thing today, and I read it and shared it with some other ministers, where that on the average, six to 10,000 churches a year are shutting down in America. Six to 10,000 churches a year. Some are having to let out their offices and their auditoriums for rental for businesses to help pay the bills. You know why? They're dead. They're dead. They have no life. And they, all, all that they do, they still cannot keep the interest of the people of coming to the house of God. Aren't you glad your desire is to assemble yourselves with the saints of God? Let me come back to what we've been dealing with now with the early church and did they believe in separation? I know I've been kind of laying this out to you in a paradoxical form so you'll be able to grasp it because it would seem no doubt very strange to them as it would to us as we recall this stage of history as it would have been in the phase of of phase one of the early church in that they are being called by the Lord Jesus to spread the good news. Now, the good news, of course, is the word gospel means good news. And the good news was to be spread by preaching. That's the way the gospel was to be spread. And yet here is one of the main leaders of that day, the first church age messenger, that is telling the people to be a separate people, to come out from among the people. So how do you do this exactly? You are to separate yourself from the unworldly or worldly rather ungodly people, but yet you are to spread this new message. You're to be able to share the gospel, which you cannot do if you all congregate on an island or a mountain somewhere away from everybody else. How are you going to be able to do it? Well, it must have been quite a a great task for them, seeking the mind of God and how to be a separate people, yet a salty people that were mixing among the people of the world absolutely every day. I think myself that it is a mirror image of where we are. How many of you rub shoulders with the people of the world every day? How many of you are separate people while you're doing that? Now, see, that's the great balance. Now, many people have in their mind that they, that we as Christians should come out from among them, and they believe that means physically. They believe it means literally that we come away, we have our own money, we start our own grocery stores. You know, we've been there and done that. Many of us have already heard about the camps here and there and there where they've tried to do it. That's never the way the Lord Jesus intended for the New Testament church to ever be. Now, we know 
told that, as I mentioned it to you the last time we dealt with this, that the majority of the early church for some length of time was all Jews. So for them, their background separation, they had no problem in being able to comprehend that because their father Abraham was called out by God, come out from among your kindred, come out from among your family, so leave them. But remember, their law never produced a circumcision of heart that set their soul free from the identification of the world. So God knew for the most part in order to keep the people of the Old Testament separate, He would have to do it actually by location because the law would never be able to do that. But He knew in coming to the New Testament that the law, what the law could not produce in that it was inadequate of producing a severing that the baptism of the Holy Ghost would sever the very desire of sin from the heart and it would send you out among the people of the world witnessing being a light being able to be what God wants you to be the Old Testament could never ever do such a thing but yet it still brother Terry must have been quite an undertaking on the part of the apostles and the preachers of that day as they sought for the balance of how do we do this how do we teach our people and they're also uh, as it goes on in time merging the Gentiles which were made up of Greeks made up of Macedonians Cappadocians made up of all different types of people around the world how are we going to merge them into this new message of grace as well so we've got the Jews who want to hold on to the legalism they want to believe oh you got to be circumcised you got to come to the temple you got to worship you got to pray in the tabernacle of God it must have been quite an undertaking and it took them quite some time now what we find in the last days is that people have gone so far proving that man does not even know how without the new birth to understand the dispensation of grace properly what man does is that man will take the dispensation of grace and he will run from one side of the ditch of legalism and he'll go plumb to the other side of the ditch with grace and he'll get to a place where he thinks he can do anything he wants to do live any way he wants to live and yet he's going in the rapture my he's going to be right there and fly away and after all the blood cleanses him from all of that God don't even hold him or Responsible? Oh, may God keep us balanced in the scriptures. But we know that was not what that the early church taught. Is that right? Now, you know, Satan has run this parallel from the very very first fall of man in the Garden of Eden. And that was to find the spot by which Satan himself can never make God do anything. Never. And Satan, most of the time, cannot make the real consecrated people of God do things directly. So what he's found is that if he can move in a channel that is more indirect, and actually calls the people of God to move into a compromised state then he will actually force the hand of God to do something Satan wanted God to do all along but Satan could never make God do it so if Satan can convince the people of God to compromise on certain things then it will force the hand of God to do things that Satan could never do nor could he ever make God do it directly 
Now that is a very scary scenario. But yet Satan did it in the Garden of Eden. Now he found, he wanted of course the earth. He wanted the dominion by which God had placed man on the earth. But he could not take it. How can he ever bring man down from this high exalted position that God's given him? Well, he, he wanted to do everything that he could. But he knew enough in the very beginning introducing sin to the world that he could never make God directly ever hate his son. How can God ever punish a son directly without that son has some type of direct disobedience? And how is he ever going to make this son directly disobey the command of his father when this man loves his father so very much? There's only one way he can do it. That's not by direct pass, but by indirect pass, which will bring about indirect disobedience, which will bring about indirect judgment from the hand of God, which Satan could never do himself. But it brings about Satan's ultimate desire, and that is to sever man from his fellowship and position in God. So what did he do? He come to the woman, the woman in turn comes to the man, and then what does that do? It forces the hand of God to throw the man out of paradise. It also forces God to have the man to relinquish his rights to the book of life, to relinquish his his rights to eternal life, to relinquish his white rights to eternal peace, eternal health, eternal joy. That's what Satan wanted all along. But he couldn't do it himself. Neither could he trick God into doing it. So he tricked the man vicariously into believing in an indirect way. And then by joining himself to a lie, it broke that fellowship between him and God. And it forced the hand of God to deal with his son in a way of reprimanding. I'll tell you one thing. If you look at it real close, he does the same thing to me and you. He'll try his best to get you out of the will of God. And if direct won't do it, he'll do it. Indirect, he'll go all the way to Memphis if he has to. He'll come back around through Chattanooga, go down through Knoxville, hit McMinnville, come up through Sparta. Then if he needs me, he'll backtrack to Cookville. Then he'll go over to Crossville. Then he'll come up through Oneida. I'm taking you all over Tennessee in case y'all don't know them cities. But what's ultimately wanting to do? Get you out of the mind of God, away from the will of God to get us to compromise and force the hand of God. Can you imagine how this makes him feel? What an accomplishment it must make him feel like when he forces the very hand of God to do something that God does not want to do and yet God is forced to do it because whether you're a child or whether you're a foolish virgin, God must deal with sin. Right. Oh my. Y'all ready to have church now? Now, once you notice this, now let's pick up again if we can in 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 1 on the life of King Solomon. Now remember that the children of Israel had centuries of these examples to be able to look back to and to be able to learn the power and the key of separation and also the penalty that was to be paid if you did not separate it from the world, the things of the world, and even in their marriages. Now I know some of y'all get really touchy on this, but just to be honest with you, I really don't care because I'm going to preach God's word with or without you all, okay? It's entirely up to you. 
If y'all want to go to heaven with me, you say amen to the word. If you want to join a church, go join some church of Christ, some Baptist, some Methodist. In case y'all hadn't noticed, this ain't a Baptist church. This ain't a church of God. It ain't a Presbyterian. It ain't a Methodist. This is a Bible belief in Malachi 4, Holy Ghost filled church. And we believe the word. All of it. Amen. Notice this now in Kings. King Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Now remember that God had told the children of Israel, don't make any marriages with these women and do not give your sons to their daughters. Now why? Because marriage is one of the greatest unions on the earth. It is one of the greatest bonds on the earth and it is something that God loves. Marriage is a great, wonderful thing. But God knows that also in the state of matrimony it can have great effect you can take a person that is consecrated to God and join them up to a person that does not believe the whole word how are they ever going to walk together they cannot right so here is the man that God himself appeared to twice a man that God renamed and called him Jedediah a man that God spoke to his father before he was ever born and told him his position his placing what he was going to do give him the grand privilege of building the house of God but when Solomon got old okay now old people let me tell you how old he was between 55 and 60 Oh, Jesus. I didn't feel good when I read that in history. When Solomon got old. Now, he loved many strange women when he got old, which was between 55 and 60. So whenever he got old, boy, that really makes some of us in bad shape, does it not? So whenever he gets to this spot, now I want you to notice now, King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Now you see, going back to Egypt was a symbolism that was used many, many times in the Old Testament, and it was always a symbol of backsliding and going back to the world. Now whether it was Abraham that did it, whether it was, you know, in the days of Solomon, when Egypt was showed up and used that way, it was a symbol of the people of God going back to the way of the world. But notice the very first one that by title the author of Kings mentions is that it was together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Now this is his first step in turning away from the Lord. That's amazing about Solomon because even though Solomon got caught up in the Milcom worship and the Moabitess and Chemosh and Asteros and many of those, he never totally denied Yahweh. Now, he was really a compromising type of a king. He was unlike Jeroboam and many of the others that came around, which totally denied the worship of Adonai, Jehovah Yahweh. But what he done, Solomon kind of straddled the fence like this. So he actually built these other places of worship for his wives, gods, and he himself actually uh, went toward that and his heart leaned toward them, but he never totally denied the Lord. Now, he could stand up and talk the message with the best of them, but the Lord never really had his heart the way he had David's heart. Well, come on now. 
So Solomon leaned toward these women and whenever he went down to Egypt, now remember of course that marriage was not just a man and woman falling in love and them marrying, but for people like this, it was a political maneuver in order to be able to get something, you know, your confederate with these people. But Solomon wanted something else. He did not just want Pharaoh's daughter, but Solomon wanted horses and lots of them. And Solomon wanted chariots, which according to the book of Psalms, David said some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now I hope you understand where I'm going with this, that actually when the children of Israel went out in battle against their enemies, God wanted them to appear very, very weak. God wanted them not to look like a mighty army. God did not want them to look like they were able, but God wanted the enemy to look upon them as if though this is going to be an easy fight in order to allure them out so God could take over. Now, if they stood there with all these Abrams tanks and all these big sniper rifles and this and that and the other, anybody could look at that and say, oh my, they're, they're really a force to, to contend with. But God said, I don't want you, I don't want you having a lot of horses. I don't want you having a bunch of chariots. I don't want you making confederate with a second Sennacherib. I don't want you making confederate with Pharaoh. I want you to walk out there with what you got. If I give you a rock, fling that thing with all your might. If I give you a mattock, if I give you a hoe to chop out a garden with, and an enemy comes up against you, then go ahead, Shamgar, I'll, I'll do my might with it. If you're out there caught by yourself and you ain't got nothing but an ox, go, go ahead and render that thing to me, and I'll prove myself mighty. But you see, what did they do? Then they started having numbers, numbers, numbers. Boy, we get this and we get that. And you know, the scripture tells us that he had stalls, 40,000, 40,000 in order to keep all of his horses in his chariots. Where did they come from? Israel did not have horses. Israel did not have chariots. But Pharaoh did. So you marry Pharaoh's daughter. You have direct access through commerce. So now what was forbidden to the people of God. Now you have it by the thousands. Well, praise the Lord. This might be one of them kind of services where it goes this way, you know, where y'all get quiet on me a while and then you kind of speak up a little bit. But. Just let me know every now and then that you're women, you're not asleep with the eyes open, okay? <clears throat> so he secures a bride from Egypt, a wife, and then he also gets horses and chariots, and now he's going to strengthen himself. Notice what God said here in Deuteronomy 17, 15. Thou shalt in any wise set him a king over thee. Whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set to be king over thee, that thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt. To the end that he should multiply horses. Isn't this a strange thing? Now he's not supposed to multiply horses. Neither is he supposed to look toward Egypt lest he multiply horses. Does God know the future? 
Does God know the future? Does God know the tendency of man? Why man has that about him? That man is easier for man to rely on what he sees, on what he can count, instead of what his faith has to be able to reach out. Faith don't go by what how many sources you've got in your stable. Faith don't go by how much is even in your bank account. Faith goes by the promise of God. My God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Faith looks at the bank account and said, praise God, this is going to be a miracle. The reasoning will say, I'm sunk. Faith will say, no, I ain't. I'm walking out of this valley with my Lord. I'm going to walk right out of this valley. I don't know how. I ain't got no chariots. I ain't got no horses, but God's going to do this. Oh, my. Notice in verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives to himself. For what reason, God, that his heart turn not away? Neither shall he greatly multiply himself silver and gold. Deuteronomy 20 and 1. And when thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, now why is this an issue? Because they don't have none. God said, you know what? I want to take you to battle. These right here. Horseshoes don't mean possession. Footprints. Well, glory to God. Wasn't that a good one? Hallelujah. Some of you all want me to pack you in. You want your mama to pack you in. It's your footprints that means possession. Young people, it's not your mama carrying you. It's not your daddy carrying you. It's you standing on the promise of God and you leaving your footprints in the devil's face and say, out of my way, devil. This is my land. I'm willing to fight for it. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses, and and chariots and a people more than thou be not afraid of them so here we're coming out of the thickets and the bushes and the briars and the brambles we're not near equipped as they are they're rolling out their modern machinery of this and that and the other here we stand flat footed right on the promise of God they've got horses galore they've got chariots galore and we're standing right there looking at them and we reach down the gate and say come on buddy you're signed your death warrant today and they're looking let's say them poor ignoramuses they're so ignorant don't they know they're outnumbered we ain't outnumbered they's more with us than they are with them oh they're mad with us. We don't have their horses. We don't have their chariots. We don't have their worldlyism. And we don't want it. But we want angels. We want the Holy Ghost. We want the power of God. That's what we want, is it not? So when you step out there to fight, don't look at their horses, don't look at their chariots. And a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up 
out of the land of Egypt. So this is what the word said. And this is what Solomon did. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. I mentioned it to you the last time we dealt with this, that even though God brought Ruth, the Moabitess, into the family of God, the standard was not changed that they were free to marry Moabites at will. God sovereignly did that. They didn't do it. Well, praise the Lord. Now, can God, can God by his mercy reach down and save, you know, somebody that's not a believer that married? Of course he can do it. But that's God sovereignly do it. But he don't tell us to do that. Come on, saints. This is where we get in trouble because we magnify experience above the teaching of the word. What did the prophet tell people that had been married and divorced and married and divorced and all that? He said, go as you are. Go as you are. And don't never do that again. And teach your children not to do it. But what do many people do around the message? They don't teach their children not to do it, but they use their own life as an example. Well, God forgive me. God will forgive you if you do it. That's not what we're supposed to teach. We're supposed to teach them God hates divorce. Oh my. King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in to you. For surely they will. Preacher, you cannot get more emphatic than that. They will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these. The English version says lust. The Hebrew says lust. Well, let me read the next verse and you tell me if it wasn't that. And he had 700 wives. You gonna tell me that's moderation? If that was moderation, I can't imagine what he'd do if he'd been a liberal. How would you even keep up with 700 wives? And they didn't have smartphones to remind them of all their birthdays and everything. How in the world, what in the world's wrong with a man that won a thousand women around him? Can you imagine a thousand mother-in-laws? Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Praise the Lord. God bless you, mother-in-laws, if you're good ones. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300. And his wives turned away his heart. 
But this is the wisest man on the earth. This was the man who wrote so much about women. This was the man who warned the foolish young man about the impotent woman who would watch for him along the streets. Can't you see, friends, they had truth and they had principles. They had no new birth. Can't you see why folks around our ranks, they know Brother Brim said this and the Bible said that and Brother Brim said this and yet they can't live it. They're Old Testament people. There's no difference. You understand? They're Old Testament. It's not enough to be able to quote the Bible. It's not enough to be able to quote the prophet. We've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The quotes don't give us power to overcome. Just quoting the scripture does not give us power to overcome. That only comes by a new birth. Oh my. For it came to pass when Solomon was between 55 and 60. That his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. As was the heart of David, his father. What a thing to say. This man David, he was guilty of many wrongs. Guilty of many sins and many shortcomings. But he never turned away from the Lord his God toward idolatry. Praise be to God. Insomuch that the writer of the book of Kings would be able to say that his heart, his heart was perfect toward the Lord. What, what was that meaning? It had reached a place of satisfaction. He would mess up. Oh yeah, he had your eye killed. He committed adultery. He numbered the people. Sure, the men made all kinds of mistakes. But he never got his heart away from God. Satan could never pull him away on idolatry. Never. Let me tell you something, friend. You register yourself and mark yourself by your mistakes. You'll never live a victorious life. If you think you're going to get to a spot, you're free from fault. You'll never be that. Don't look at that. Look at what you were and look at what he's made you and cast your mistakes under the blood of the Lord Jesus. Solomon's a very tricky character to look at. He never makes a complete apostasy as the first church age did. Remember, this is the first church age of the Jewish church age in the Old Testament. So his heart had fallen away from God. So this is the Ephesian age of the Old Testament. And he had lost or left his first love. But like the Ephesians of the New Testament, for the most part, they never totally denied the Lord. And Solomon never totally denied the Lord. You don't find him in the scripture or historically ever taking an infant child and offering to Chemosh, which is part of their worship. But one of his wives did. But Solomon reached a state of compromise. 
where he couldn't really say anything against the daughter of Pharaoh. He couldn't say anything against this one and that one. So he had to build her a house here and build this one a house over there and one over here, one over there. Before long, Jerusalem was dotted with all kinds of place of worship built by the same man who built the house of God. Can I go on? Now watch here in 1 Kings 9, 25, just two chapters prior to this. And three times in a year did Solomon offer burnt offerings and peace offerings upon the altar which he built unto the Lord. He burned incense upon the altar that was before the Lord, so he finished the house. So Solomon comes three times a year. Even though his heart now is not perfect toward God, and he visits church three times a year. Hello? So he did not deny the message. He did not say, well, I don't believe in it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It ain't nothing but a bunch of lies. No, but he never just gave it his all. Because he had too many other interests. So one Sunday he'd have to go to Chemosh Tabernacle. Next Sunday he'd have to go to Astaroth Tabernacle. And they'd have to go to the Milcom Tabernacle. they have to go over here and go over there. He's just such a busy, busy man. Notice 1 Kings 11.5. For Solomon went after. Went after. Astaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians. And what did Astaroth do for Solomon? Speak to him? Heal him? Raise anybody from the dead? Bring anybody peace? Bring deliverance to anyone? Asteros was a man-made deity inspired by demons. And hear this man of such wisdom. I, I, I read Proverbs. I read Ecclesiastes. Look at where we've been forever in this song of Solomon. And look at the inspiration that man had, the wisdom that I'll tell you one thing, Brother Dye, it makes me not want to read Proverbs no more after reading him. Why the inspiration that was on him was exactly right. Because he backslid, don't change the truth that he got from God. Don't you understand all these songwriters out here, they can get genuine inspiration from God and they themselves may not be as rotten as I'll get out and yet catch inspiration for a song and it'll make the circumference of the world around the bride and be such a blessing. Why? Because they can tap right into it. It don't mean they're right. Look at him. Went after Asteros, the goddess of the Laodiceans. I mean, Zidonians. Now you see already, they was trying to prove that God was not a male. Praise the Lord. And after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Let me read you just a little bit about this. Asteros was a goddess of sex and fertility whose worship involved licentious rites and worship of the stars. 
So today people worship different kinds of stars. Football stars, basketball stars, movie stars. Come on now, look what a voice that Hollywood has become in politics. Look what a voice. And they look for this person to endorse this man for governor or this woman for president. And the movie stars have a big say in the way people sway. Why? Because they're followers. Well, so-and-so said he thought that this man would make a good president and I'm going to follow him. Uh-huh. And, and what do you think about that man? I read about one of them here just a few weeks ago, one of these famous movie stars. And he said that in his life of living as a movie star, he'd probably been with over 10,000 women and we want to make idols out of whoremongers it didn't say how many men had been with they should have no voice they won't have one before too long because the wrath of God belches beneath her and he will slice her off from his mercy. Molech worship involved human sacrifice, especially children. You say, how in the world could people do that? Well, I'll turn that right around and ask you, how can you Offer your children on the idolatry of this day. You'll let your children dress like the world and act like the world and teach them it ain't wrong to miss church and let them do this and that and the other and cater to them. You're doing no different than what they done. Except they took the life of your children and you're going with them because some of you never got to live that life so you're going to live it through your kids. Shame on you. I said shame on you. Our children need strong men and strong women to be able to say, honey, that's not the way we want to go. We want to go God's way. Can't you see why we need a five-fold ministry? <laughs> Chemosh worship was equally cruel and licentious. The hill east of Jerusalem where Solomon built many of these high places. Let me give it its name so you'll understand it. The Mount of Olives. Those of you who have been in Israel, those of you who have seen pictures of the old city, one of the best pictures that you can take of the old city, of the mosque or the Dome of the Rock, is from the Mount of Olives. No wonder Jesus, Brother Terry, goes to the Mount of Olives. And he weeps and he cries for the sins of the city. On the home on this same mount, the son of David built the abominations of the children of Israel. But the very same mount 
the real son of David. He comes to take those abominations and throw them as far as the east is from the west. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I would gather you as a hen doth gather her brood, but you would not. Now your house is left unto you desolate. Oh, my. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemos. Children, can you grasp this? The man that built the house of God now builds a place where Jewish children can be offered and this deity which stood about 10 and a half to 11 feet tall, made out of molten metal. It was hollow in the middle and it's had its arms out like this. And they would heat it up till it would become white hot. And they would take a Jewish child and lay that child in the arms of that God. Jews. Can I go ahead and say it? Prophet followers. Or said they were anyway. Oh, we have no record that Solomon ever did that himself, but he made a way where it could be done. Instead of blasting it. Nah, you can't go. Sure, he couldn't go on every little hillside and every place of the country and, and stamp that out. But to build a place for such to happen. Oh my. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh. The abomination of Moab is the hill that is before Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives. And for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. Many, Brother Terry, could he hear a route across the Kidron Valley? So here's the Mount of Olives looking this way. Here's, here's Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. Right down on the low place is Kidron Valley. Right down here to your left is the tomb of Absalom. Straight as a crow would fly, right straight across. How many children would he hear cry and turn a deaf ear? Well, I, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Oh, Lord God, keep us, Jesus. Look, children, don't think, sit here tonight and think, well, bless God, I never did that. You better hide your confession in the blood of the Lord Jesus. Don't think you're so big and you're so mine. I'm so rooted and grounded. You're only grounded in Christ Jesus. Oh, my. So the wisest man in the world turned out to be very, very foolish. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned. Can't you see how heart turning affects the very emotions of God? So God was angry because Solomon's heart was turned away. So don't you figure it must have made God really happy when our hearts were turned back? 
Amen. Glory. Praise be to God. Because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord had commanded. So you imagine now when Stephen stands and indicts the Sanhedrin and he recalls the history of the children of Israel. Peter heard this when he was a child. John heard it when he was a child. You imagine the examples that were given to them. So now how can they allow the Gentiles, which were cursed, to be a part of the economy of God? It took a revelation. Notice 2 Kings 23, 13. And the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the mount of corruption. Can you imagine this mountain is renamed because of the sin? You see, God can call a place such wonderful names. And years later, God can say, rename it. And call it Ichabod. The glory has departed. Hey friend, it can be the same right here with our church. It can be the same with you as an individual. It can be the same with me. Come on now. I know this is kind of scary a little bit. Let's, let's, let's be honest and face reality tonight. We don't want this to happen to us, do we? As a church or as an individual, I'm telling you tonight, we're only safe in Christ Jesus. Don't never think, well, I'm this, that, and the other. I've been around ever so long. I'll tell you, God, has God ever done to you what he done to King Solomon? Has God ever appeared to you like he appeared to King Solomon? No. How are we safe in Christ Jesus alone? If a man think he stand, let him take heed lest he fall. Oh, Brother Terrell thought this was something. Which were in the right hand of the mount of corruption. Then the writer tells us why it was called the mount of corruption. Which Solomon, the king of Israel, had builded for Asteros the abomination of the Zidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defy what king? Solomon. A man that God allowed him to type himself as the Lord Jesus, looking for a bride. My, my. Can I go on a little farther? Can y'all take a little bit more? All right. Notice Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 29. They clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, to observe all the commandments of the Lord our God and his judgments and statutes, that we would not give our daughters... Unto the people of the land. Nor take their daughters. Can't you see why Satan done this over and over again? It was a constant thing from one generation to another. It was a weakness. 
oh, well, Brother Donnie, I've got a, I've got a Pentecostal girlfriend and a, a, a Baptist girlfriend or a Methodist, and uh, she, she comes to church with me on occasion, and she comes here on one, and I have to go with her three. Uh-oh, if you're done that now as a girlfriend, you can imagine what to do when you get married. And if she wears pants and cuts her hair and paints her lips and you have girls, well, you figure they're going to look like they're going to run around like they look like the skirt church. Come on, be realistic. Don't be an idiot. Come on, Happy Valley. Get next to yourself. You cannot marry such and believe. You have no promise of God to build your faith upon and say, God said, show me where God said. I'll show you where God said no. How many sorry outfit boys have I seen come into the house of God and get them a good holiness girl and come to church just long enough to get them and get them dating and get them married and the next thing you know, they don't want to go to church. They don't want nothing to do with church and you got a girl's life all messed up. Come on, church. Say amen. Oh, my. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 23. In those days also I saw Jews that had married wives of Ashdod and of Ammon and of Moab. Now keep in mind, this is hundreds of years after Ruth has been accepted into the economy of God. God is still not endorsing the Moabites just because he sovereignly chose one. This is the teaching of the scripture, not one experience. You understand? Oh my. So here we got Jews now. Men, mainly, notice how this works. It was mainly the men in the Old Testament. And they would marry wives of Ashdod, wives of Moab, wives of Ammon. And their children spake half in the message of Baptist and could not speak the message of the hour. Wonder why that was. Who do you figure was teaching these kids the language? All right, now fathers, let's be honest. How many verbs, adverbs, adjectives, nouns, pronouns, synonyms, hymenyms, homonyms, and all the rest of them ems did you all teach your children? Brothers? Sisters? How many of you did most of the teaching? Ah, really? So if you spoke Ashdod, what do you figure your kids is going to speak? Preach, Brother Donnie. I'm with you, Brother Donnie. Go ahead, brother. Amen. So they say, well, I believe in one God. I mean, sort of. But I mean, you know, the Bible does say that when Jesus was baptized, that a voice come out of heaven. So that was one God that spoke out of heaven. And then another God come down and landed on him at the river, half Ashdod, half message. Well, after all, aren't we supposed to love everybody? Aren't we supposed to love people and reach out to them? We are, but not marry them. It ain't the same thing. 
what they did was they adopted a mongrel dialect. So when they was around message people, they could talk message. When they was around worldly people, they could talk worldly talk. When they was among the Methodists, the Baptists, oh my, they was just these little buzzing bees around, just social bees. They could fly around. They could be right at home with the drunk. They could be right at home with the marijuana smoking outfit. They could be right at home with the message person. Why? Because they had adapted this mongrel dialect. Well, come on, children. You say, Brother Donnie, why don't you reach out beyond the message and why don't you go to the Catholic church and preach? Let them invite me. I don't know, Brother Donnie, said, Ben, since you've been in a Baptist church and preached, never. But I'll tell you what, you give me an invitation, I'll sure go at least once. Let me into a church of Christ. I'd love to be able to preach a water baptism and baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'll go at least one time, y'all go with me. But don't expect me to speak Ashdod. Don't expect me to to speak the language of a Philistine. I'm not a Philistine. I'm not an Amorite. I'm not a Hittite. I'll speak the message of God. Hallelujah. I'll speak the language of Adonai. Now, I realize some of y'all think that I am the worst preacher. I am meaner than a snake, and you think that I'm just so rough. But let's read verse 25. And Nehemiah says, I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them. So those of you on the front pews tonight, I don't know, you might be in smiting distance. (laughs) Wow. And smoked certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God saying, we shall not give your... Why do we keep coming back to this marriage thing? Friends, don't you see what Satan was able to do in the Old Testament? He's been able to do in the New Testament after the council of Nicaea and the merging together of Constantine becoming a Christian. In the Old Testament, it was nations they married among. In the New Testament, it's denominations. So you get the people to marry into that. Now, of course, we're not a denomination, so we think we are. For many people in this message, they are. The Seven Thunder thing, it's a denomination. The Perugia thing, denomination. The tape only thing, denomination. I can go on and on and on. It's the very same spirit that gets these people together to follow their little magic guy that's got all the cliches. And if you're going to be in the brides, you got to be in us, pal. And we're the ones who's saying who can go and who can't go. You ain't got that authority. Only the Lord Jesus has the entrance to the King of Heaven my brother sister that's right you can't put us in and you can't put us out because we're already married to the door hallelujah we are already married to the door but that same devil has come right among us and wants us to marry one of their denominations 
Ah, but alas, I'm already married. (laughs) I'm already married and I'm already with child. Praise be to God. His seed word has stopped up my womb and that's why there ain't no room for no denominational child to be born out of me. Because I am carrying Christ the word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, actually, Nehemiah had already had him to say this before. Chapter 10, verse 29, they claimed to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe all the commandments of the Lord our God and his judgments and statutes, and that we would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. They'd already said, we're not going to do this. But they were still doing it. Words are cheap. Saying you're sorry. You know what? I get sorry of hearing people say they're sorry. And never do nothing about it. I get sick of it. Do you? Well, glory. Maybe I need to take a vacation. (laughs) Now watch again in Nehemiah here, chapter 13, verse 26, and we'll try to find a place to get up. Boy, y'all won't sit down tonight when they say get up, you'll be like popcorn. (laughs) Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him. Who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, these two words, oh my. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. You see what my opening comments was? Satan never come to him directly. It was not demons with long hair and, you know, fire coming out of their mouths and horrible looking demonic figures. No. It was beautiful women. But they were outlandish is the word the Bible uses to describe them. Outlandish. They were out of the land of promise. Boys, you don't need to be going marrying outlandish women. Girls, open for the door. I'm an old maid. I'm 20. You poor little thing. God's still a miracle worker. Sister, there's still hope for you before you reach 21. But I'm so lonely. I'll tell you what's worse. You think it's sad being lonely single. What's even worse is being lonely and being married. 
to someone who won't go to church with you. Who you cannot sit down and talk about the word. And you can't sit down and talk to them about the Wednesday night service. Man, alive was that Wednesday night service. Something. Poor Brother Donnie must have been mad at somebody. I am. I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad at the devil getting our young people and getting our families all tied up. Brother, sister, we have a standard in God's word. You get in your car and drive here on Sunday morning, and he gets in his car and drives to another church or to meet his buddies. You're talking about lonely. Let me find a place to close. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Parallel it now to the New Testament. Even did the church ages cause many men, great men, even men like Polycarp, which were good men, but leaned toward that affiliation. Don't you understand? We've got good men in our message, but they lean toward compromise. As far as being vocal to really blast anything publicly where you can ever trace them back that they said this or that or the other, good luck finding some. Why? They know the consequences. Well, praise the Lord. Don't you understand pressure from out here is coming in our own gates? Trying to get us to compromise from preaching against sin? Well, we just call it all sin and throw it all in one big pile. I have no problem with that as long as the Bible calls it sin. If the Bible calls it homosexuality, that's what I'm going to say. If the Bible says adultery, fornication, lying, whatever it said, that's what I'm going to say. I can compromise and make it a little bit easier on myself and say, well, sin, 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 sin. But if God unctions me really good, it don't take much. All it takes is a little bit of nudge. I'm going to get plain with it. I'm going to say it where a child can walk out of here and know exactly what's right and wrong. Come on, church. Because I believe it is the devil trying to encroach on our rights. It is the devil trying to encroach on our property and steal our fellowship with God and steal our young people and steal our Holy Ghost God-given birthright. We will not settle for it. We will not settle for it. It is our rights. Notice this in verse 27. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? What's Satan doing? Same thing? Over and over again. You imagine the first church age when it first broke. I thought, no, no. We won't go that way. No. No, we're, we're spiritual now. We're, we're in a spiritual move. It won't happen that way. I don't know who they were. I don't know how they acted, Brother Joe. I don't know what they've done. But Brother Bram tells us the Catholic Church was born on the day of Pentecost. 
Now, was it some of those thousands that was just added to the church? You notice the Bible doesn't say anything about them getting the Holy Ghost. It just says they were added to the church. And the prophet said before long, they got to crying out among them. People think Nicolaitanism is just preachers. You need to study Nicolaitanism a little bit farther. You'll find out the first cry of Nicolaitanism was get away from them screaming, hollering, shouting, tongue-speaking people. Which means we got Nicolaitans in the message. And before long, well, here's this businessman. He got saved. And how is he going to be able to tell his boss? So he's going to invite him to church on a Wednesday night to hear Brother Donnie preach. No, no, no way. And when are you going to invite me to in church? Give me 10 minutes and I'll be back. Brother Jim, when's Brother Donnie going to be gone? We have a visiting minister. Uh, let's see, which one, do, which one is it? Mild? Which one is Come to think of it, most of the ones that come our way, tear, tear the hide off of you. Brother, right now might not be a good time for you to come to church. What, are you ashamed? But you said that first century people said, now, we love you all. We love you all. But now we just want to pull over here a little bit on the side. and You know, we're, we're just going to dress this up a little bit. And my boss is wanting to come down. If he gets down there and Timothy's blasting and preaching and Philemon and some of those other brothers. Oh, my goodness, it'd be so humiliating. And I've got to face him tomorrow at work. So we're just going to kind of pull off to the side and we're going to calm down the music and we're going to calm down the worship and everybody's going to get real quiet. Shh. Y'all sit to that. Shh. <clears throat> Good evening, friends. Trust y'all have enjoyed your day. Isn't it a nice day to be a Christian? Oh, <laughs> do you understand that type of a man was one of the first century ones? Don't never say nothing to make nobody mad. Look, if I ain't making the devil mad, I'm coming to this altar right here tonight and repenting. I want to have a reputation among my brethren. Mm. I want you all to think highly of me, surely. But I'm going to tell you one thing. What matters more to me is what does hell think about me. And if hell thinks I'm a great guy, y'all better get somebody else. Praise God. So, friends, how do we do it? How do we do it? We rub shoulders with the world every day, and we're in it, but we're not of it. And we're around them, but we don't get contaminated. This is the real balance. Separation that keeps away from contamination. You're a light and you let your light so shine, but you do not compromise. And if they invite you out for lunch, all of them can sit there and drink if they want to, but you ain't going to drink. They can tell their smutty jokes and this and that and the other. Well, it's all the bosses and it's this and that and the other, but your main boss is watching you, which is more important than the boss you work for. Can you do it? Absolutely you can do it. But I worked in secular works and I worked in Monticello, but the man that owned the company where I was at there was a Jew. Very wealthy man, multi-millionaire. He wanted me and my boss to be able to go up to Connecticut, Newbury, Connecticut, Waterbury, Connecticut, Bayonne, New Jersey, several places there, drove a truck, uh, took a load of stuff and to do some work while we was there. 
My boss goes out, and this guy's a seven-day Adventist. Every time we stop to eat, I said, I ain't eating a bite till I pray. He said, all right, all right. So he'd look around, make sure nobody wouldn't like to go ahead. <laughs> well, we go to Waterbury, Connecticut. Here's this multi-millionaire Jew. He invites us out for supper. Big honor, great wealthy guy. And my boss, I could see his face as red as blood. And he told him, he said, Mr. Bernstein, he's very religious. Would you mind if he prays? <laughs> now, what do you think my father would have thought of me? If I would have told my boss, look, Andy, you know, this guy's rich and he's wealthy and it might embarrass you. And so that's okay. Don't do it. But all along the way up Shippenburg, Pennsylvania, and all along the way up 81, he'd done learn I wasn't going to eat a bite. I wasn't going to eat a bite without praying. Oh, praise God. Oh, some of you've got more wisdom. I'd rather have my ignorance and have my consecration than your so-called wisdom. I don't want that kind of wisdom. It's sensual. It leads to compromise, church. Well, hallelujah. Now, see, I ain't got no hair in my hands. Oh, y'all still good, right? I ain't plucked no hair. Y'all want me to get you? Is that what you want? You want? Okay, all right. I haven't plucked nobody's hair. I ain't smoked nobody. Look, Nehemiah I didn't just smite them. He smote himself and plucked his own hair out. It so vexed him to see what was happening. If the Lord tarries another 10 years, 20, what will our church be? What will the ranks of the message be? Will holiness be allowed to be preached anymore? Will there be people that still want to come to church on Wednesday night? Or will we still have to cater to everybody and just start having maybe one service a week because everybody's so busy, they really don't have time for church anymore. Will we be one of those statistics? Six to 10,000 churches a year shutting down? The church of the living God keeps pressing on. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Mm, praise God. Amen. God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, it's such a heartbreaking thing. In one way, we would think that people could read the scores of books and historians that have left behind us, the pages of the Scriptures, and see the patterns that people have fallen, see the consequences of sin, and they would not want to go that way, but there's something about man that he can look at even the facts and still chooses to repeat the same thing over and over again. You can talk to them, oh, I know, I know, I know, I shouldn't do it. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. But they go right ahead and do it anyhow. And Lord, the heart of man is becoming so hard, stony. Oh, Lord God, I thank you for people. Not just here, Lord, but for all over the world. that still have a desire to serve you. To live for you, Jesus. We don't want to come under the reign of man. We're not looking for a tyrant as a pastor or a tyrant as an evangelist to rule over us. We want the Word to rule over us. 
But we know as men become instrumentality in the hands of God, then it is not man ruling. It is man as he obeys the word. And the word is our husband. Help us tonight, Lord Jesus. I know if time should go on, before too many settings of the sun, Lord, I'll be getting older and older. And if you tarry a few more years, the church will have to get somebody else. I'll get to where that I can't remember and I, I'll lose my strength and I'll lose my train of thought that comes with old age. And I won't be able to preach no more. But we know, Father, the pattern is, is many times people choose younger preachers. And when they do, those younger preachers, or many of them, not all of them, they're more out for a name. and They're out for what they can get out of the message and what they can get out of the ministry. And all they say, it's all about what they can give, but we watch what they do and what they say, and it's easy to see. It's not just about what they can give, but it's about what they can get. How will their name be known? They spread their name. They spread their ministry. They let it be known. I associate with this man and that man, and this man's my friend, and that man's my friend. And we know what all that is, Lord. It's politics. Then, Lord, if another generation should come of younger men to take the charge of the message out of the hands of the older men now, what will they turn it into? Will holiness be welcome? Will the baptism of the Holy Ghost still be preached? Or will we just become more intellectual, cold, indifferent, starchy, hard-hearted? Lord Jesus, help us, I pray. May our hearts, Lord, be always on you, Lord. We see Satan's pattern. He'll try the exact same thing. Try to get to marry into ideas. People think marrying something is either a man or a woman. Sometimes we marry an ideology. We marry a doctrine, a theory. We marry into something and it becomes our heart. Our allegiance is given to that doctrine, that theory. And that becomes what we push more than anything. God, help us to see it's not important enough to love Brother Branham. Many people have so fallen in love with Eliezer, they don't even want to see Jesus no more. They fell in love with the messenger so much. That's all they talk about. That's all they can do. And they're constantly searching for new scriptures that he fulfilled. High, looking for higher places for him to walk. Lord God, we want to leave him right where you placed him. He tells us exactly. He has no greater honor than just to be one of the brethren. To us, that's what he is. He didn't die for us. He did not come for us. Hallelujah. It's Jesus we're looking for. Help us tonight, Father. I pray for our young people. Lord, I pray for all of us as a church. May we realize, I know, Lord, I keep them. I try my best to keep so much from them of what goes out, out around us, Lord. But help us to be secured in behind Christ the Word. Lord, to realize Satan is trying his best to infiltrate this precious Word with ideologies of men. To pull us away. To get you to punish us. To get you to raise your hand against us. Lord, as we look back, it's so simple. You identified the Amorites, the Hittites, the Moabites, all of those people as enemies. 
And you told the children of Israel, I will slay them before you. And when you go in, if I don't slay them, you slay them. But Satan found a way around that. Marry them. So then what once was identified as an enemy of God is now the wife of a Jewish boy. So God can't smite her without smiting him. Then as this developed, you went on to say, I will no longer smite them. For they had chosen to marry them. So what was formerly the enemy of God is now sons of Israel's wives, daughters of Israel's husbands. So you can't kill them without killing your own sons and daughters. Then it becomes a stranglehold on the entire nation. Lord, may we each of us look at our own lives. Help us tonight, Father. We love you, Lord. How many would you say tonight by the uplifting of your hand, Lord, look at my life, look at my heart, my family, everything about me, Lord Jesus. If you see anything about me, Lord, that displeases you, please let me know, Lord. You know my heart tonight, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Can we just lift our hands while we're in the presence of the King now? Just may the Holy Spirit come down, friends, and search your hearts. See if there's anything there that needs to be confessed, anything that needs to be laid aside, anything that needs to be made right. Just be sensitive to the Lord. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I'm so afraid I'll miss it. I'm so afraid. No, no, you don't have to be afraid. Just be sensitive and open to the Lord. And if your heart isn't hardened against His voice, then if there's anything there, let him deal with you. Just open. Open everything you are to him. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Look at every avenue of our lives. We open up every door of our home, every, every avenue. Search us, Lord. Search our church, the music we listen to, the lives we live. Look at us, Father. Search our hearts. More than anything in this world, Lord Jesus, we want to make it. We want to be there, God, with all of our hearts. Oh, Jesus, search us tonight, Heavenly Father. Praise God. May our boys not only may believe in girls and our girls may believe in boys, but may our hearts marry only the Word. May we refuse ever error ever false doctrine. We refuse to marry the ideology of some man and become a spokesman to bear children to that man's ideology. People could only see it, Lord. They become one with this doctrine and that doctrine. Every one of these systems that we could name, every one of them come back to a man as its founder. A man as its founder, which makes him the parental father of the entire move. And the people who become pregnated with that evil spirit of that move, they become the offspring. And they are the progeny. And they give birth to the progeny of that man. Then he is their Messiah. He is their Messiah. And that's why their children act like him or talk like him or speak like him. 
But Lord Jesus, we want to act like you and talk like you and act less like the church and more like you. Or the children begin to look more like the word. Praise God. Sing something for us, Harry. Is that your desire tonight, children? Look, I don't want you to be Reaganites. I don't want you to act like me. I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to be like Brother Darrell. I don't want you to be like Brother Matt Watkins, Brother Mike Price, Brother Tim Pruitt. Those are great men. We don't want to be like them. Why would you want to be like me when you've got the opportunity to be like Jesus Christ? Why would you want to be like any preacher and mirror him when you can mirror the Son of God? Praise God. Let's just sing together before we go. Can we just worship a little bit? I hope you enjoyed the word as much as you can enjoy. Hallelujah. Falling in love. Hallelujah. With Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Falling in love with Jesus. My Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Oh, was the best thing I've ever ever I'd rather 
How many can say a big amen to that? Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I'll tell you one thing. If you're in love with him right, you ain't looking for another. You ain't flirting with the devil. You ain't looking for no boyfriend. You found the very love of your life. Is that right? Praise be to God. God bless you, Saints. See you this weekend. Brother Joel, come and sing. Go in the fear of God. I love you. good to have our pastor back tonight. Amen. As we go tonight, let's just sing that song Brother Terry taught us. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. This weekend, sing it as you go.